This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm Nick Miles, your host, along with truck girl Jen, who's a little feisty this morning. She was very calm as we rode in. She was happy that she was sitting in a Chevrolet or a General Motors truck, a GMC Sierra diesel she was happy girl 84. and she got out it got out here and she started to be sassy she said, don't bring <laughs> don't bring me up on the radio show <laughs> i don't want to talk about that yeah why well we were going to talk about our next guest because you know um nick just sitting here and he's like hey, i'm trying to get you into a new vehicle yeah look, look at the ford f-150 trying you know an expedition well expedition's like awesome no you're just sassy Yes. All right. Yes, I'm very sassy. You are today, definitely. (laughs) Hey, guess what, (laughs) folks? Got a packed show for you today. Uh, Dave Sanford, the general manager of Northside 4, going to come on. We're going to talk a little bit about how crazy things have got over at 4. We've got a new Bronco. We've got mm-hmm. the Marquee. The orders will be completed now. The factory is starting to build them. Uh, these are now online orders because, of course, COVID-19. Um, and so everybody at the dealership is working through how to do that. What is happening at a dealership? Are you still able to get your car serviced? What happens if you want to buy a new commercial vehicle? They are the number one commercial vehicle dealer in the area, Northside Ford. So we're going to find out how it all works. I'm curious. We'll find out today. Uh, Jason Zaleski, the Director of Product Marketing, is going to be here to talk about the new Cadillac CT4 and CT5, plus the new Escalade and the Lyric, which was announced on Thursday. They're all electric little, I don't know how little it is, but they're all electric Tesla Model X fighter, perhaps. We'll see. Uh, Colin Miller joining us from uh, Honda Motorsports to give us a rundown of the 2021 lineup for the uh, street and off-road motorcycles. I'm a street guy. Are you an off-road gal? Used to be, yeah. Yeah. I used to when ride were, off-road a lot. When you were young. <laughs> it hurts to fall when you get older. <laughs> yeah, just not fall. It hurts to get up. Uh, we're going to talk to Mike Cadell. He's been driving uh, the Bolt from Chevrolet, the Seltos from Kia, and the Ionic from Hyundai. He's going to talk about small cars and what good deals they are and uh, whether they're worth purchasing in the market. One of our favorite guests, Tyson Hominy, is going to join us from JD Power uh, to explain the latest trends in buying. Boy, I think this might be a spoiler alert, but used cars are up 18% above pre-COVID predictions, and new cars are around 9% below. So that may be something to do with a limited inventory on dealer lots. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out all about that. Uh, Kate is going to join us from BMW. Uh, her last name is Alini. Is that how we pronounce it? I think so. Uh, Kate Alini from BMW. She is a product manager. We're going to talk about some pretty cool vehicles. The, excited. Uh, the BMW X7, one of my favorites. Uh, the Dark Shadow Edition. Ooh, ooh. It, they should have brought it out on Halloween. It would have been a good <laughs> that been awesome. Halloween car. <laughs> is somebody in a weird mask going to pop up in the third row? 
and say, I know what you did last I summer. <laughs> I know where you live. Uh, I'm scaring myself. Special edition Alpina XB7 also. We're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anton Warman with the latest inf- information about what's going on at Polestar, Porsche, Lexus, Tesla, and more. And Perry Stern joining us to talk about the BMW X6M competition, which is a really good piece of machinery. I've driven it. Perry's going to tell us how amazing it is. I love to sit my friends, you know this, in the passenger seat and unexpectedly floor it. Yeah. And watch their face go, whoa, what are you doing, cowboy? Or Jen holds her stomach and goes, oh, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. Oh, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. That's what I hear from you all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. As soon as I put my foot down in the vehicle, Jen's like squealing like a, a two-year-old. I was waiting to see what you were going to say. <laughs> like what? What do you squeal like when I go fast in cars? Uh, I don't think I squeal. I just go, mm, Nick. Yeah, it's a little more squealy. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you have to battle not throwing up, don't you? With you, yes. Just in general or when we go fast? This <laughs> is when we drive in general. All right. I love you, Nick. <laughs> okay, there we go. There you have it. Sealed. <laughs> it's a sealed deal. Jen loves me. Uh, so I got the opportunity to be at the LA Auto Show last year where Ford introduced the new marquee. Uh, of course, the first change to the Mustang lineup for 55 years, now coming in an all-electric SUV. It's a true Mustang, and it's a true electric vehicle with up to 300 miles of range. They also just introduced, we were in Detroit for this, we did all the live television broadcasts, the new Bronco coming in multiple different flavors. You can get it in a uh, sport version, you can get it in a two-door, a four-door, and then there's... Six or seven, eight trim levels. There's a Sasquatch package. Sasquatch, yeah. Just think hairy feet. A Sasquatch package. So you you get all that stuff. Uh, um, but also, we want to talk to uh, talk a little bit about what it's like to purchase a vehicle now under COVID. What happens when you go to a dealer or don't go to a dealer or do it online? Uh, Dave Sanford joining us on the line. He's the general manager uh, from Northside Ford, uh, which is the premium commercial dealer in our area. So first of all, uh, Dave, is it crazy with the amount of orders that are coming in for the Marquis and for the Bronco? Well, actually, Nick, it's it's uh, quite unexpected. We we had a tremendous amount of orders come in, and Ford uh, in general had over one hundred and fifty thousand uh, reservations. So it, it it's been pretty incredible, pretty incredible. Now, uh, one of the things that I did a little math here, and this should be a stimulant for people who do who want a Bronco and are waiting to decide what they want. So Ford at this point will be able to make a hundred thousand a year. I'm sure that will change as soon as they as soon as they get it worked out. So that means if you right. order today, you're looking at delivery sometime 2022, right? Uh, that's about right. Uh, the folks that were early on are going to get uh, their vehicles. They're going to start delivering mid uh, 2021. Uh, we'll start placing the orders, trains, changing the reservations to orders here at the end of the year, probably beginning of January. But yeah, you're absolutely right. They can only produce so many and, and so quickly, and uh, no one in. was expecting what we got. Right, get in now if you want one. That's uh, that's what I say. So uh, there are oh, yeah. th- there are three different flavors of this vehicle. Uh, wh- which are you getting the most attention from? Because of course, I think everybody's going to want the the four door, but maybe they don't. I mean, I've heard I talked to three people that have ordered the sport version, which I was uh, surprised at. But I would have thought the th- the four door was by far the most popular. Uh, the the yeah it goes in 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 that order four door two door and then the sport um, and 
and the two and the four-door is quite a margin uh, between them. Um, but the majority is a four-door. However, we do have a lot of two-door orders. In fact, I've got a two-door order myself. Oh, there you go. What did you order? Tell us about your order. <laughs> well, it's it's pretty freaky because that first night of ordering, uh, you know, they, they weren't expecting things. So uh, I ordered uh, kind of the middle of the road, the, um, well, not really, the wild track. Okay. Is, uh, kind of just shy of the, the first edition. So it's it's pretty aggressive um, and uh, pretty excited about it, even though I probably won't be taking that vehicle off-road too much. But uh I'll do the best that I can. I think the idea of most Americans is they want to know they can take it off road, even though they don't. Right. I mean, I like I own I own one, two, I own three off road vehicles, and I've never taken them off roading. Where can so, you go? Well, yeah. I mean, in Oregon and Washington. Wash them. Yeah, right. it, yeah. I mean, the, the thing is too, like I don't want to be bending forks or <laughs> get stuck <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, so I like them prestige. I agree with you. But I like to know that if I had to drive up an off-road area in Mount Hood, I could do it. And I like to know that. So I like every Absolutely. every single American. Let's talk a little bit about Marky. So this is Ford's all-electric SUV. Now, I'm privileged enough to have two of them on order. Um, what's that? Three minutes? Oh, three. Jen's just telling me we have three minutes. Two of them on order. <laughs> And uh, uh, two of them in order. And how have the marquee sales been as well? Because those first editions sold out not quite as fast as the Bronco, but you can't get a first edition of their marquee anymore, right? You cannot. Um, first edition sold out on both uh, both lines. Can't get it. Um, the uh, the marquee's been pretty neat. It's it's been an interesting uh, interesting way that they did it. We were introduced to the whole online ordering thing with the marquee, uh, which helped us with the, the Broncos as well. But it's a new way of ordering. The, the Mach-E's are pretty much, uh, you pick what you want, and you have a few color choices and a few optional accessories. But it's it's a pretty straightforward deal. Again, it's it's maybe it's part of that COVID deal, but, you know, they were forward-thinking. Uh, it's made buying vehicles, well, very, very different, simple. yeah. I, I noticed they sort of, they lulled you into a forced sense of security with the marquee because they off you know, they said here there's like five color choices i think and they've just introduced right. the orange one as well so there's maybe it's six now or whatever there was uh, but now with the bronco there's 11 color choices and eight packages and then the sasquatch package on top so it got a little more uh, complicated with that step up didn't it it, it certainly did in addition uh, the the bronco um sport and the uh standard bronco have a tremendous amount of, of parts accessories that can be added on directly from the factory. So you can you can outfit the, the Broncos in just about anything you can imagine, from roof racks to for kayaking or camping or whatever you want to do. It's, yeah. it's ready for you. And I think they all come with a standard bottle opener already on the back, and there's about two, <laughs> 200, yes, yes. Yeah, 200 parts on order. Uh, you can order uh, at launch, and there'll be many more uh, on the way. So if somebody wants a marquee or somebody wants a Bronco, uh, how do they do it? Do they, can they call you, or do they need to go to the website? Uh, they can call us. However, we're going we're gonna to refer them to the website. It's Ford.com, and if you would be so kind... Um, Select Northside Ford in Portland, Oregon, as your dealer. Uh, no matter where you are in the country, we can we can have the vehicle uh, sent to your local dealer. Uh, but we'd love to help you out, no matter what. 
Of course, and if you have any trouble, yeah, if you have any trouble, of course, you can you can call Dave directly. He'll fix it for you. He fixed it for me. Absolutely, <laughs> and I'm I, always there. <laughs> uh, and I have I have mine on the way, so uh, we'll find out what that's going to be like to drive that in the next uh, few months. Dave, thanks very much. Northside Ford or Ford.com, where you can order your new Bronco or new Marky. Stand by, more to come. You're listening to our auto expert. All right, catch up with previous episodes of the show, our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. I love reveals of new vehicles. In fact, it's one of the things that excites me more than anything else in my life. Uh, Jason Seletsky is from Cadillac, and he's joining us to talk to us about one vehicle that was just released and two others which were, or three others which were revealed uh, in the past, but are fresh for all those people who are shopping the, the Cadillac dealer. So, uh, Jason, let's talk first of all about the new Lyric. This was just announced. It is Cadillac's all electric. Is it classed as an SUV? I'm trying to work out. We like, we like things in little boxes in America, so we know where they fit in our lives. So, how is it classed? How is the Lyric classed? Yeah, so uh, thanks, first of all, for having me. And, uh, yeah, we're very excited to bring uh, the Cadillac Lyric to the market. Uh, from the segment perspective, it would fit into the Lux 3 SUV segment. So, you know, similarly uh, sized to our XT5 that's out there today. All right, perfect. And this is this Cadillac had a hybrid vehicle, a plug-in hybrid in the past, but this is, is this their first electric vehicle? Yeah, so this will be our first all-electric vehicle, uh, and one of many. It really, this, you know, Lyric reveal and this Lyric show car we put out to the world on Thursday is, is just the first moment. Um, we have announced uh, and put out to the world, but we'll be all-electric out by 2030. So, yeah. you know, definitely um, a lot uh, more to come from Cadillac from the electric vehicle space. Super exciting. So first of all, it looks very futuristic, but at the same time, I could see it in my driveway. I mean, I could totally see this in, uh, you know, on sale today. And you say it's a show car, but it looks to me, maybe the mirrors are a little small uh, for a street car, but it looks to me ready to go. I love the lights in the dark. Oh, how it looks like that? Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and for sure, uh, it will be coming to market. You know, that is a, a show version, but it's very close to what we'll be bringing into production as well. You know, those screens, those little details, like I like to call the little jewel emblems on the controller knobs. Um, and obviously, the, the styling overall um, will be very close in the production model. That's awesome. So uh, this vehicle, uh, what, what are we looking for for actual on sale date or i mean presumably you obviously have to reveal something that will be ready to to drive that'll be another year or so yeah. are we look we talking a couple years or less than that yeah no it, it so the lyrics gonna start production kind of the end of the 2022 calendar year okay uh so that's when it'll be coming out to, to market here uh in the u.s all right, and and I noticed that some of the stats were pretty impressive. So it has great uh, great range as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, over three hundred miles of range. Uh, it'll have you know multiple ways to charge, including the DC fast charging, um, and you know like many know on electric, it'll have you know not released yet, but some pretty great performance characteristics as well. 
um, just, you know, what electric can really offer from a, an instant torque perspective. Yeah, a lot of people don't think electric vehicles are really fast, but their zero to 60 mile an hour times can be uh, close to one second, you know, sort of uh, three to one Absolutely. second, depending depending on how big the vehicle is. I notice it has a skateboard design, what we call a skateboard design for, uh, for the battery. So that's sort of uh, a battery like a skateboard and then the wheels in all four corners. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And that enables, obviously, Lyric, but a lot of other vehicles moving forward in our portfolio and, and gives us a lot of flexibility in, in how we use those modules um, for different propulsion systems. So um, a, a great technology um, that we'll be leveraging uh, for certain across Cadillac. Now, two vehicles that you already have uh, coming into showrooms are the Cadillac CT5 and the CT4. So these are your sedans. Uh, a, a sedan still a big part of Cadillac's lineup? Absolutely, and I would say a big part of you know sedan has been a part of Cadillac since its inception. And you know, although you know the, the sedan market has been shrinking in the U.S. Um, with the rise of the SUV, we do know that there are. SUV avoiders or rejectors, people that just really love a sedan and what a sedan really offers from a dynamics, driving, and just overall uh, feel. So we still believe uh, it's a, a big part of the market. It continues to be a big part of the market, especially in markets like California, um, and definitely a big uh or part for Cadillac as well. I drove a sedan for the first time in a few weeks uh, last week, and you forget how much fun the sedans are. They're much more uh, better performers than the SUVs because SUVs don't corner at speeds where sedans can. So you know, a lot of us forget that. Is there going to be a, a CTSV version of these or a, C, you know, a CT4V version, a CT5V version? Absolutely. So we're out there in the market right now, uh, we have the CT5 V-Series. It's got 360 horsepower. We've got a CT4 V-Series with 325 horsepower. Nice. And I'll tell you that those entries are a little different than our V-Series in the past. We've made these, I'll say, a little more accessible in the market, you know, and, and really aligning ourselves with the competition out there with, you know, the BMW um, uh, M, and then they kind of go up to an M competition. So, you know, ours is really, you know, V-Series, as I just mentioned, with those horsepower. But we have teased the fact that there will be vehicles coming in on top of these, you know, called V-Series Blackwings that will be the ultimate in our performance uh, and very track-capable vehicles as well. So Crazy, uh, really crazy power. Look at Do we call them crazy, crazy power? power? Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Your absolutely. V's were always so outstanding. And quickly, in the last minute we got left, of course, the new Escalade, which is outstanding in its looks, uh, that's arriving as well. Absolutely. It's standing in its looks and, you know, over 20 years now of Escalade. And I think uh, the most t technology uh, advanced one uh, for sure ever. You know, things like our 38-inch OLED screen, uh, for those who had a chance to take a look, just an absolute you know, incredible um, interior um, and still, you know, uh, 420 horsepower with that 6.2 V8. So, you know, still definitely the, the power and performance of Escalade, but I think, you know, just another advancement in technology there as well. You've always owned that segment, and uh, it looks like you're not going to give it up anytime soon to the competition with the, with the new Escalade coming out. Jason, hey, thanks for taking some time out to talk to us today about the new Lyric from Cadillac, the CT4, the CT5, and the new Escalade. Of course, Cadillac's website is where you can read all of this, and uh, they'll have all the details and when they go on sale as well. There's quite a plethora of new vehicles, I have to say, from Cadillac, and I still think they're super crews, which 
is in the CT6. It's still the best hands-free system available in America. I drove it from Memphis to New Mexico. It was amazing. Coming up, we're going to talk motorcycles. Oh, yeah, two wheels. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert Radio Show. It's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can just start a conversation with us, direct messages, ask us a question. Uh, we'll be happy to answer it for you. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Um, my new next best friend is joining us on the phone in a moment uh, because uh, you know how I feel about motorcycles, don't you, Jen? I actually probably should be punished because I haven't taken any of my bikes out this year. Yeah, we have this conversation a lot. Yeah, you are, she, Jen comes to my house and asks why they sit in the garage covered in dust. And I'm and then I'm like, you sit there and complain to me about why I haven't taken my boat out and how yeah. long. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. well, I did take, I have taken my bikes out within the last five years, unlike your phone. <laughs> so we'll just have that conversation right now. Uh, Colin Miller is joining us from Honda Motorcycles to talk a little bit about what's going on in, uh, in the world of new motorcycles. So uh, you'll be glad to know, Colin, first of all, tooting my own horn a little bit here, that I have uh, two Hondas in my garage. Uh, you'll be sad to know that they haven't made it out very often. But you seem to have, you pretty much have the, the market cornered as far as uh, on and off-road bikes. So you have pretty much everything from start to finish, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Um, definitely, uh, it's been kind of a weird paradox with everything going on, but uh, has been going well. And, you know, people getting out and riding off-road and, uh, you know, a lot of the excitement and the enthusiast on-road world as well. Uh, I do enjoy the on-road. It's just the trouble is there's not that many places to go. Like, you know, I have mm-hmm. to I have to just get out and ride like like yeah. it's not commuting. No one's commuting anymore. And we're all working from home and those sort of things. So that's the best it's part. Kinda, it's kind of hard. So I I current <laughs> I currently own a, a, a rebel and a Grom um, oh, okay. and, and I bought a, a new rebel last year and I had uh, I had pipes put on it. Um, screaming, really? screaming pipes. So now, well, when I you know started up outside the house, it it wakes my neighbors up, which I enjoy very much. Um, <laughs> and, but again, it doesn't get started that often. Uh, does Honda have new motorcycles out this year? I do think, by the way, I nearly bought the Fury, but I decided oh, okay. I, I decided to buy uh, the Rebel um, because the the Rebel the, it was a mid size bike and I already had a twelve hundred cc bike in the garage. I think what? you need to add the sure. monkey to your lineup. The monkey is probably Isn't the, cutest the cutest thing, thing? ever. Um, I you, saw I saw you. the monkey uh, Colin at the Tokyo Auto Show last year and I got to sit on it at the Auto Show. It was the it was the best thing ever that happened to me in the whole trip to Japan last year. But it's uh, tell us a little bit about the monkey. Let's start there. Yeah, I mean, with the monkey and the Grommy, you literally cannot have any more fun on a motorcycle. Those bikes just they make you feel like a kid again, basically, as you ride them. And I mean, um, and the the mini moto lineup, which is where those bikes fall into, um, is something we looked at this year and, and talk about new bikes coming out. We actually brought out what's called the ADV 150 scooter, so more of a adventure type scooter, really kind of that that kind of adventure bike look that every, you know, adventure bikes are huge right now. Right. And so it really provides that aspect to someone who's looking for something fun to go around and can kind of go exploring. So a really fun add addition to that lineup. Uh, one of the things I think with the, with the monkey is it, it wasn't it originally from the seventies. 
Yeah, so it started off as basically a Z50, and it was a 50cc um, motorcycle that really kind of, you know, was great for kids and just getting around. You could, you know, fold the handlebars in and put it in a, basically, you could put it in the trunk of a car. Right. And, um, and kind of really led a lot of people into motorcycling, really got them started, really was like, oh, I remember my first bike. I, I can't tell you how many times when we're talking to people about the monkey that they tell us that story of their, oh, man, this looks exactly like the first bike I ever rode. And it just brings that out in people. And when you ride it today, it brings out almost the same emotion. You feel like you're taken back to being that kid riding around on the bike the first time. You know, it, it definitely does uh, make me feel pretty good when uh, when I see the monkey. I feel like I should be have long blonde hair and uh, and be in the 1970s because it's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, they really nailed the styling on it. For right. Sure. I mean, and, and the, the, the more you leave it the same, the, the happier I'm sure a lot of people will be with that as well. Yeah. Uh, so where now you also have the big bikes that you, that you're super famous for, uh, for instance, things like the uh, the Goldwing. I mean, that's the big mm-hmm. the big big bikes for the guys who like to go long distances. Yeah, no, definitely the Goldwing is pretty much the flagship in our lineup. It really uh, it, it really brings out kind of that long haul touring. Really want to tour the U.S., go see all the national parks. It really is fully capable of doing that. Uh, a couple of years ago in 2018, we did a full update on it and actually added a completely new transmission to it. So we've really been uh, pushing what we call the DCT or dual clutch transmission yeah. as an option for a lot of our bikes. Yeah. And so it provides a full automatic style uh, transmission. So it really lends to either bringing in, you know, riders who may be not comfortable shifting anymore or somebody who's, you know, a newer, younger generation that is really, you know, I don't want to have to worry about the clutch. I just want to relax and have a nice cruise. Um, and all the electronics, you, you capability, radio, you have CarPlay compatibility. We just added Android compatibility, so you can run Android Auto, just making that uh, that ride as easy as possible. I think one of the challenges that I have is the fact that I have um, no legs. Shorty. Um, <laughs> my inseam is 25 and a half inches, so it's, uh, it's mm-hmm. always a challenge, and that's one of the reasons that the Rebel was such a good choice for me, because here's a bike that has 500 cc's, and I, you know, I can actually touch the ground on it rather than have to sort of hold up the bike every time I, uh, I come to a stop, and that's one of the things that makes the Rebel, I mean, I've seen reviews of the Rebel, and it comes in a 300 or a 500. I've seen reviews of the Rebel where people have called it probably the best bike on the market today, especially for beginners. Yeah, and it has been so for, you know, since the 80s we've been producing that bike. But, you know, in recent years, fully revamped it into the two different engine size platforms. And it's great for, you know, people who are beginning or people who are just getting maybe back into riding. They're looking for something that, you know, like you, like you found is nice and comfortable. You can put your feet flat on the ground. Um, and, and it looks great, too. You can style it, do all these different things to it. and and it really kind of provides a great beginner's platform. I put a, I put saddlebags on mine because I use it for grocery shopping. I like, kind of, I like the Shadow the, Phantom. The the Shadow Phantom, uh, what about the Fury? Do you like the Fury, Jen? I, I think the Fury is a bike for you because it's that kind of uh, well, mean cruiser. Chopper-looking, yeah. Chopper-looking, yeah. Yeah. yeah, with a long wheel out the front, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of your cruiser bikes are, are pretty outstanding. Let's talk a little bit about off-road. What's uh, what, what are customers chasing in the off-road department from Honda? Um, so with, uh, we just actually announced our new CRF 450R, which is our 
pretty much our flagship in the performance uh, level of, of off-road. So these bikes are raced, but also we have versions of it that are more for casual trail riding. Uh, so that is all new for 2021, complete redesign. And it's really kind of a, it, it's not only spearheads our flagship, but also when we bring out that, we bring out different versions of that bike as well. Um, so we also continue to make the current version, like the kind of the 2020 spec of the CRF 450R, because we wanted to provide not only an option for the real high performance customer, but someone who's looking for that high performance, but at a reduced cost. We actually reduced the cost of the, uh, of the other version to still kind of, you know, give the enthusiast who's looking for something, but maybe doesn't want the, uh, the top level technology, but still wants something high performance. So that CRF is really where we're focusing. On. I mean, the, the CRF start between about, uh, you know, 5,000 ish up to around $10,000, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're ta- that's for pretty much anything around, uh, you know, 250 all the way up to 450. And of course we have CRFs that go down to 50 CCs, which is really, um, kind of our youth line, 50 CC, 110 CC, 125. Um, and, and the, the interesting part of everything right now is that people aren't spending money on, uh, on going on vacation. So they've really taken to, you know, kind of the social distancing with their family. Go buy some CRF, go exploring out right. in the woods or out in the desert. Perfect. It's really been an amazing turnaround. Uh, for short guys like Jen, is there an adventure or a, a dual sport that would work? Yeah, um, we actually have our uh, CB500X, which is a very similar engine to what's in the Rebel 500, but um, much different platform. It's more of an adventure bike, so 19-inch front wheel, um, fully capable of, you know, you, we have a saddlebag option with, uh, you know, full protection bar, and you can, this is a bike that you can really take anywhere, go exploring, you know, if you're going to go off into more rugged conditions, you can put a slightly knobbier set of tires on it. I mean, people travel the world on these bikes, no problem. I love the look of it, by the way. It looks very, uh, very sleek. Just uh, so you know, I have driven the CRF50. Oh, you have? The little one. Oh. Yeah. All right. It's cute. It's perfect. <laughs> I'd like to see Jen on, on, on more motorcycles. Uh, tell us where people go if they want to see the full line of Honda off and on-road motorcycles. Um, they're always welcome to check out uh, powersports.honda.com. And uh, or you can go down to your you know local uh, power sports dealer and check them out as well. All right, yeah, there's plenty of those too. I go down quite uh, regularly and see uh, see my local guys, and they uh, they always cut me a nice deal on motorcycles, and then I bring them home and I don't oh. say anything. The last time I brought my Rebel home, I didn't mention it for about three months, and finally got caught uh, with another with another bike in the garage. So it's just nice when they your spouse multiply. when They're your spouse like doesn't go in the garage very often. It's really nice. It's it's always that equation, uh, you know, N plus one motorcycles is the amount I need, you know. <laughs> See? Always an additional one. <laughs> You're my best friend right now, Colin. Colin Miller is from Honda <laughs> Motorcycles. Uh, we talked about some of those motorcycles. Of course, you can go to powersports.honda.com to find out more. I'm probably going to have to get my guys out this week and, uh, and give them a little exercise. I usually have a route, which is about three miles, and I ride them every night. So I ride one, bring it home, take the next one out, ride that, bring it home, take the next one out, ride that. And you should get your motorcycle license, Jim. No, I like my four wheels. Uh, I like the four wheel off road. I should probably give up and go home. Can't get Jen <laughs> to do anything. All right, Mike Cadell's up next. Stand by.
You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your show can be heard on your smart speaker. That's right, it can become your radio. Just say, hey Google, hey Alexa, or hey Siri, Our Auto Expert. Uh, play Our Auto Expert radio show. Oh, wait, here we go. What can I do for you? Yeah, this is what happens every time we do it. Hey, they do all fire up. Previous episodes of the podcast are available. Hours of Endless Fun. Uh, I'm Nick Miles, uh, your auto expert from OurAutoExpert.com, along with Truck Girl Jan. This is where 2 million Americans get their automotive uh, information daily. Uh, and joining us is one of our editors, reporters on the phone, Mike Cadell. Uh, Mike has been test driving some cars in uh, beautiful... T- are you having nice weather on the lake today, Mike? I'm sitting behind my computer right now. Oh, working. come on now. I thought you were going to be out on the lake all day. Now I'm... I'm, I'm s- on the lake, I won't lie. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, your computer's on the boat, isn't it? <laughs> I've got a computer on the boat, and it's in my hand, and I'm using it to call you. Oh, I see. I was now thinking I'd forced you off of the lake somehow to do your segment today, uh, but I don't feel so bad yeah, now. I don't feel so yeah, bad yeah. now. You've been driving uh, some of the latest electric cars that America has to offer. I have I have two of them, and um, I'm going to tell you. I, I, so one of them is afford, afford, relatively affordable, and the other one is is a little bit higher on the luxury end, but I've been in the Chevy, the Chevy Volt, which, you know, is kind of based on the technology, the Chevy Volt. And it's, you know, we talk about electrification in the market, you know, Chevy really nailed it with the Volt and then nailed it with the Bolt, you know, smaller subcompact electrified vehicle, you know, that allows you to get great distance out of uh, electrification, you know, about battery packs on it. You know, you can literally pull in a charge point station and fill it up. You know, I was, I was really impressed not only with just the, the electrified part of the vehicle, but with the fact that they used a lot of recyclable products on the inside of the, the Chevy Bolt. Uh, and then you contrast that with the, you know, 2021 Lincoln Aviator. And this is the plug-in hybrid electric vehicle version. It's the black label. It's a hundred plus thousand dollar incredible luxurious sport utility vehicle. But it's also got some electrification it with 3.5 liter motor under the hood. It, it it literally feels like a sports car and off the line it's fast. So you take the bolt and you take the aviator and I mean you can almost race them down the road. Electrification is <laughs> so fast. I'm sure uh, Lincoln and uh, Chevy would absolutely adore to to have them both in a head to head race to see which one that that wins. Did you find that the you had range anxiety with an all electric vehicle because I always have this problem when I get one even though I might have 300 miles on a charge. I start to sit here going, oh, what happens if I decide to go here or if I'm going to drive to the city that's, you know, 197 miles and that means I have to charge before I come home. Does that sort of go through your head all the time? It, it does when you're in a purely electric vehicle. Um, I am a huge proponent of plug-in hybrid electric vehicles because you get the best of both worlds. And, you know, we, we don't like to talk about it on air, Nick, Jen. It, it, you know, I was a two-time owner uh, of a Ford um, you know, C Max, <laughs> but I, but I love, I love that vehicle. And, and range anxiety doesn't get to me too much, but you have to plan out your trips. And if so, if you're you have an electric vehicle, you got to plan out your trips. But you know, the majority of people are there commuting. You know, ten to fifteen miles from their house tops, and these vehicles get plenty of range, so you never have to worry about it. 
you recently drove the uh, Hyundai Ioniq as well, um, which I think is uh, Hyundai's sort of version to the Nissan Leaf or to the Chevy Bolt. But it's uh, it's been upgraded. I think it has 170 miles on a single charge now. Uh, it's sort of a more affordable version of an electric car. You know what I love about so here's the deal. Like you can't really put the the Lincoln Aviator in, in this in this you know context of cars, but if you look at the Bolt. And you look at the Ionic, and you look at other vehicles that are electrified in a, in a relatively affordable price point category. Here's what's really great is the fact that, you know what, they're decontenting the interior. They're giving you all the technology. They're using recyclable products. But at the same time, you know, they're giving you the electrification that you want in the vehicle. they got to make them lightweight so that you can test them. The Hyundai Ionic was really cool. It was lightweight. It was fun to drive. You're not buying a sports car, but you're buying something that's going to contribute to, you know, the betterment of the environment. They did that with that vehicle. Um, no, I, I, I agree with you. I've driven both of them as well. Uh, I noticed that on a recent uh, in a recent interview, uh, Joe Biden obviously has a Corvette, um, a, a C2, and he let it slip that he knew that there was an electric Corvette coming. So uh, which of which Corvette denied immediately and and then came back and said, well, maybe we're working on it. But uh, it, it, would you do you see something being successful like the electric Corvette? If it's a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, I think yes. So if you put electrification in with some form of a, a smaller displacement turbocharged motor, boy, do you get incredible, incredible response and horsepower. But but if you go fully electrified, you know, you just run into that. If you're running a performance car like a Corvette, you're, you're going to run into that feeling of range anxiety. So you have to be kind of conscious of that. Right. I mean, they said that this, this BMW M5 was probably the last... Um, you know, gasoline-only BMW M5, and the next generation will be the hybrid or um, plug-in hybrid. So, it you know, everybody's going that way as well. Let's jump over to talk about something that you drove that is purely gas and, and won't be a hybrid version, and that is the new Kia Seltos. And this is this sort of $22,000 starting price uh, compact SUV that is actually getting a lot of head-turning right on the back of the Telluride, which was the vehicle before this that was released it has some of that styling in it um, and it gives you an awful lot for the money i absolutely love the kia seltos i think the kia seltos all of the technology inside the vehicle really is incredible they give you everything that you want uh, from a technology standpoint it starts at twenty two thousand dollars i drove a fully loaded all-wheel drive kia seltos and it was at twenty nine thousand dollars out the door i really enjoyed the sport mode. So with a $22,000 car, you get this sport mode in it. And that sport mode, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to drive. And it was, it was cool on the inside. Like it had this massive 10.25 inch touch screen on it. And when you add that all together, you have a really cool package for the price. Um, a lot of people, of course, trying to get out of the small compact sedans and some compact sedans into something bigger. Do you think uh, the Seltos is a good choice? I mean, it does come with that 10 year, 100,000 mile warranty. It's an incredible choice. The size is great. The all-wheel drive capability is incredible. The entertainment system on the inside with Bose is awesome. They're really gearing that vehicle towards a millennial, but also somebody that just wants an affordable, cool car. All right, good. Um, and then you just recently took a, a trip on your uh, your new Ducati, didn't you? A two-day trip. Uh, how did that work out? <laughs> 
trying to leave this out of the conversation today, but you, you ran me directly in. Oh, I'm it. sorry. Is your wife um, with you on the boat? Yeah, she's like, yeah, you know. Well, I, I will tell you the story. I was afraid to tell my wife about the fact that I bought a motorcycle, um, and especially a Ducati. It was like, how do I tell her this? But uh, at the end of the day, I did. I did 700 miles uh, two days this week. Uh, I wanted to kind of stretch the legs. You know, it's it's called the Testavera motor, and that's based off their MotoGP motorcycle. Uh, they call it a four-in-one, so four mm-hmm. electronically controlled driving modes. Nice. It's just a ton of fun to ride, and you can take it off-road. Um, I like the idea of that, but uh, I'm not allowed any more motorcycles. The last one I snuck into the garage, I got my hand smacked for, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, and we'll check back with you very soon, Mike. Make sure you're still married. See if your wife is upset enough about that one. Mike Cadell is the other half of Our Auto Expert. Uh, Listen to uh, read all of his stuff online at ourautoexpert.com. Plus, watch his TV segments, especially on the Bronco. All right, more to come. Stand by. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a problem, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, with Truck Girl Jen. Have you been enjoying the show so far, Jen? Of course. Good. It's a good thing, too, since you put it together. I know, right? Uh, uh, every, <laughs> every week we get to talk a little bit about uh, how the... COVID-19 is affecting the sales and marketing for cars. Uh, And it's kind of a good thing that we have somebody who really knows what they're talking about that joins us uh, on occasions to go over those numbers. Uh, Tyson Jomini is the Vice President of Data and Analytics at J.D. Power and Associates. So we have been tracking this week by week, Tyson, and it looks like there was an interesting shift in, uh, in how things were looking. Uh, initially, uh, new car sales started to get up. Uh, we, I thought they were going to break the 5% mark, only being down 5% from pre-COVID predictions. But it looks like we're sitting around 8 or 9% now. Uh, is, that, is that the fact for last week's numbers? Yeah, it certainly is. And, and thanks for having me back, uh, Nick. And hello to Jen. Um, yeah, so we, we really thought we were going to get back up here, maybe, maybe low single-digit declines. Uh, but, you know, quite frankly, we don't have enough inventory. And so the, the end of the month, things did trail off a little bit. We actually ended the month down about 12 percent uh, on a year over year basis. It did look for one week uh, that uh, the sales were pretty brisk. Um, and I think we got to a, as low as 7 percent across the country. But it, it is varying state to state, isn't it? Because I, I look at uh, how certain states are doing and those states with with worse covid outbreaks tend to be the states with uh, with less car sales. Yeah. So we're actually seeing a couple dynamics here, which is that the more rural and, and less uh, and, and more southerly the sales are, actually, they, they tend to do better. So the biggest cities, New York and L.A. and Seattle, uh, those are the markets that tend to be off more than anywhere else. Uh, but we're seeing, you know, the, the southern markets, the Sunbelt and rural markets, I mean, from Missoula, Montana, down through Tampa, Florida, uh, those markets are, are performing quite well. Really, and you'd think that Florida was having a harder time uh, with COVID as well. Uh, do you think that we are down uh, 12% at the end of the month due to inventory alone, or is it still uh, is COVID still affecting uh, people going to dealerships or at least shopping for vehicles? 
Yeah, I, I think COVID is certainly playing a part of it, and certainly the economic impact of, of COVID in the country is, is playing its share as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, what we see with inventory is that uh, 41% of sales turned in fewer than 20 days, which means as soon as the vehicle arrives at the dealership, it's coming off the transport truck, it's going right to a customer and leaving with that dealer immediately. All right, so we probably could do some digging down and find the numbers of the vehicles that aren't selling uh, very well during this uh, outbreak and get a deal on them. That's what I'm always looking for. What do dealers want to get rid of on the lot? And there was periods where some, some vehicles were sitting on the lot for 100 days, but now it's, it's considerably less than that. But the big shift has been uh, in both the secondhand and the luxury market. Now, initially, the luxury market has been up as much as 18%. Uh, is that still the case? Yeah, luxury remains hot, but luxury was, was part of the, the sector that really fell the most during coronavirus. So it has kind of roared back, so it has a lot of pent-up demand uh, that it's capturing. But as you alluded to, the use side of the market is smoking hot right now. Yeah, so we were... Inventory there is getting tight. We were expecting to see these 500,000 vehicles dumped in from Hertz as they uh, had filed for bankruptcy. A lot of the fleets were not being renewed, and a lot of the fleet vehicles that were sitting idle during COVID and would likely be turned in sometime in the next six months were getting turned in early, supposedly, but we haven't seen a massive influx of used cars, have we? Well, no. So once the the used or the new vehicle inventory became so tight, dealers shifted over to used, and they started buying up those. And now that became the bottleneck. And so when Hertz was first talking about filing for bankruptcy, we thought, you know, oh my gosh, if we have five hundred thousand units, that's going to destroy us. And now I think a lot of people are like, give us those units, we can take them, uh, because demand is so high for used. Do you think there's still deals out there, or is it uh, is it region by region that you have to go shopping pretty hard to find a good deal? I think you're going to have to shop pretty hard to find a good deal. Uh, dealers, since they don't have enough units right now, they're not really dealing very much. In fact, uh, they are making quite a bit now on the sale of vehicles. You know, Typically, dealers don't make that much uh, on the actual sale of the car. That has really changed dramatically. But the good news for consumers is that your trade-in value of your used vehicle is going up so much, it may wash out those effects. Uh, tell me a little bit about the incentives, because when you know COVID first hit, we were seeing incredibly high incentives. Uh, a lot of uh, truck companies putting cash on the hood. We were seeing uh, financing for uh, you know extended periods of time with zero percent interest. Are those steel deals still there, or are they starting to fizzle out? So you'll still see some of those deals. So you'll see a zero percent APR for seventy-two months in, in many places now. But what you're not going to see is you're not going to see zero for eighty-four with payment deferrals like we saw back in March and April. Those deals are done, but I mean, 0% for 72 is still a fantastic offer historically. It's just that things have come down a bit. Certainly if inventory got tight, automakers you know, buckled down a bit on their spending because they don't need to right now. Uh, let, I mean, you may not have the answer to this, but I, I'm thinking, you know, since car companies are offering such great deals uh, themselves to their own finance divisions, where does that leave your local bank and, and some of the financing companies that don't do, you know, I mean, uh, GM financing and Ford financing and, and uh, VW financing, if they're offering such great deals internally, are people still using those uh, financial deals to shop for cars or are they going outside to banks? Where, where does the, the majority of the spending lie? That, that is a fantastic question. What we're seeing is that the captive share of deals 
is over 75% right now, which is really close to all-time records. So most people are, are going into the finance office, and they are getting a deal worked out with the captive for the automaker itself, leaving banks and, and credit unions a very small share right now. Um, so they're probably willing to do uh, better interest deals, I'm sure, to try and uh, bring you over financing-wise. Uh, well, let's talk about different divisions of these vehicles. So when we talk about what kinds of vehicles are selling, the one vehicle, uh, the one sort of strain of vehicles, the one class classification of vehicle, which seems to be doing still as well as it was and even better than pre-COVID, is the uh, the light trucks, especially pickup trucks. Uh, they seem to be a solid sale. Uh, and now, of course, inventory is running low but especially the the half size pickup trucks it seems almost impossible to find dealers that have those in stock yeah uh, certainly what, what we call the mid-sized truck your tacoma and ranger in colorado uh, that has been the best performing segment in the in the whole COVID period uh, and right behind it is the full-size pickup so both of those have been very hot and and to your point inventory on those is the tightest of anywhere so if you can find one you know, they're going to get a great truck. It's just so hard to find right now. What are the, the sorts of cars that aren't uh, performing very well? So I presume like sedans are probably not, especially the full-size sedans, but uh, the larger the sedan is probably the less uh, appealing it is right now to people. Yeah, in, in general, it, cars aren't selling. You know, right now, 76% of all sales are either an SUV or a, a light-duty truck. Uh, so trucks and SUVs are just flying off a lot, which means cars, sedans, hatchbacks, no one is really buying those. In particular, uh, subcompacts are just being decimated. Uh, they're off 40% year-to-date. Uh, but, you know, strangely, I can't even figure it out myself, Nick, the worst performing segment year-to-date is minivans. Why do people hate minivans all of a sudden? I don't get it. And I thought, really I, thought it would, yeah, I thought it would be the opposite. I thought people would be wanting to buy minivans because they wanted to go on vacation with their whole family, and especially since flying wasn't in the uh, sort of uh, scope of practice right now. They'd be wanting to jump into the minivan and take off a vacation. I do notice, though, when I've looked at market-by-market breakdown, the Honda Civic seems to be doing well. It seems to be top 10 in a lot of markets still. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sedans will still sell well, in particular, the, the biggest nameplates, the, the Civics and the Camrys and the Accords. Uh, there's always a demand for that kind of market. But in particular, though, you know, we saw Honda just cut the, the Fit and the Civic uh, Coupe. So even, even Honda, even one of the strongest nameplates for uh, sedans and cars is still cutting models because things just aren't selling. In particular, that sub $20,000 car is nearly extinct at this point. Um, I also noticed it's interesting to see car companies bring out new sedans. So Kia just introduced the new K5, and uh, it's a bit of a head-scratcher because we're thinking maybe that wasn't such a great idea since sedans are not hot, but they say they still sell enough to make them worthwhile. Yeah, you're, you're still going to see them. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of nameplates that, that have, you know, very strong loyalty. And, you know, some of the biggest nameplates in the industry here are these, these sedans, the Accord and, and the Camry and, and, and the Hyundai Sonata. I mean, there, there's a lot of strong uh, loyalty to these nameplates. But, you know, if you had a vehicle that was going to be launched and it was planned and, and the, the cadence is that it's coming up uh, to be refreshed in 2021 or 2020, you're still going to do it. It's just that market is shrinking terribly. So what you don't see, though, is you don't see a lot of big incentives or big deals really on those kind of sedans anymore. Uh, as, as the market size has you know, gone down so far, automakers have taken the price up. 
to accommodate for that loss of volume. It's uh, it's totally fascinating to me how the sales ebb and flow. Tyson Jomney is from uh, JD Power and Associates. He is the vice president of data and analytics. Uh, JD Power, of course, uh, registering all of these sales to let us know exactly what it looks like. We'll have him on again in the future. Tyson, thanks for joining us. We'll look at sales and how they're going. Um, I, I think the flavor of SUVs is still the thing. And uh, I, of course, I'm looking at new vehicles. I'm, I'm probably only looking at SUVs and trucks when I'm going to buy one. And Jen will never have anything but a truck in her driveway, will you? Or a sports car. Or, or a, Cor- a Corvette or a full-size pickup. There you go. Yeah. She's That's a, it. She's a strange bird, if I say so myself. <laughs> uh, still to come, we're going to talk about BMW, the X7. Uh, the X7 um, Alpina. And, of course, uh, we're going to be, what, you're shaking your head? No, we're not going to talk about that? Right. Jen's telling me what we're doing coming up. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. To catch up with previous episodes of the show, our website, OurAutoExpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at OurAutoExpert.com. I got a great opportunity to drive the BMW X7 across country. I think I drove from Phoenix to Las Vegas. Uh, Alex Schmook from BMW was uh, my drive partner and enjoyed it very much. In fact, it's one of my uh, would-like one in my drive driveway cars if I win the lottery. Um, And joining us on the phone is uh, Kate Alini. She is from BMW. She's a product manager for the X7. And uh, Kate, you guys introduced a new trim level on this, which is probably, I I think it should have been, you should have waited until Halloween, but it's called the Dark Shadow Edition. Yes. Yes, it is. That would have been appropriate, seasonally. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, we launched the X7s over a year ago, and um, this is a, a limited edition, a special edition that we introduced um, to the U.S. and also worldwide, um, limited in quantity and, and quite exclusive. So we were really excited about it, and it did very well um, in terms of sales. So. So tell me a little bit, yeah. Tell me a little bit about it. I mean, just from the name, the Dark Shadow Edition, and I, I've seen pictures of it, of course, and I've read about it. But uh, just just from the the name of it, it's it's one of the things that's happening, which is quite popular now, which is these sort of blacked out versions or these darker mm-hmm. versions of vehicles, right? Yes. Yeah, we're finding that customers really love the sporty look of sort of the dark, uh, blacked-out vehicles, including the trim. So instead of classic chrome, they go for this black shadow line, uh, high-gloss um, for the trim, the exhaust pipes, the wheels, and everything, even the grill, the front kidney grill. It's all blacked out. And for the dark shadow edition, we took one of our most um, our coolest colors, is Arctic Gray, that's typically a metallic, and they created a matte ver- version of that, which is a... Um, you know, a matte, uh, it doesn't have that same reflection as the shiny metallic. So it's the first time we did this color on any vehicle, and um, it was special for this edition. So it looks super cool with the black trim. And, and also, uh, you know, it's quite sporty to drive as well. And it doesn't just look sporty, it still has the great performance of the X7 as well at 523 horsepower, right? Yep, 523 horsepower, 553 uh, pound foot torque and it goes zero to 60 in 4.5 seconds so for a fairly big truck it really does um uh, go quick and and off the line so it's, it's definitely a vehicle uh 
And this is, uh, of course, for the, the Dark Shadow Edition, we did the V8. We did the MPA version of the V8, so right. it's a larger engine. Um, so, yeah, it's got lots of power. I, I will tell you, it's one of my favorite things to do in the world is to stick Jan inside a BMW uh, yeah. M or, or non-M and just put my foot down and listen to her squeal because mm-hmm. it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was on the news in California, apparently, too. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, um, so the, uh, the approximate number of units you're going to make of this for the U.S. market is how many? So for the U.S., we took 75 units. Um, worldwide, there'll be about 600 uh, units. We took 75 of units, and we sold them online exclusively for customers to pre-order, and um, it sold out within 18 hours. So all 75 units are spoken for, which is great, um, and it will go into production in, in a couple of months, and the customers will get their vehicles at the end of the year. I have to say, for uh, for a market that enjoys our blacked-out car, I do feel a little bit like Americans got shorted here, only getting 75. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd like to have seen more. Yeah. yeah, you know, that's what we're hearing now. So um, I think in the future, we know what works now. And, I mean, the S7 is all about luxury, right? So it's our pinnacle SUV, and it's elegant, luxurious, very impressive, particularly with the chrome and has this, sort of, this, um, you know, this presence about it. But when you add the M Sport package on it and then this type of color treatment with the matte paint and the blacked out trim, it just takes on a whole different character. Super sporty. And again, it's quite popular right now in the U.S. So perhaps we should have been a little greedier and taken more of the units, um, the worldwide units. I think so. Now, I know the the X7 is made in Spartanburg in the South Carolina plant. Is the uh, Shadow Edition also built there? It is. All X7s are built in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Um, and actually, this is the first uh, vehicle to be painted in a frozen or matte finish, if you will, at Spartanburg. And it was the first time that they're producing um, special individual paint on a vehicle at Spartanburg. So that was pretty much like a test to make sure the plant could, could accommodate that, that type of color. Um, we have other individual paints, which are special order paints, available. But this is sort of a first step in terms of that matte treatment. Um, and it's a different paint, paint treatment that is required for this. Do you think that there is a willingness now in Munich, uh, the BMW headquarters, to try other special editions, seeing that this one was so successful? Oh, definitely. Definitely have more to come. We've had several um, within the luxury lineup and a lot of M editions. We've had commemorative editions. We've had um, racing editions, art car editions. So there's definitely more to come for X7. Um, We will likely get one um, in the future. Can't say exactly when. Um, this one, again, is pretty early on in the life cycle of the vehicle, but uh, I'm sure there'll be more to come for that 7th Special Edition the good thing, the success. Yeah, the good thing about these Special Editions is that they tend to be worth, uh, they hold their value a lot better than just the regular editions, right? Because people want the Special Editions. Yeah, they're limited and exclusive, so um, I think this car will be driven by the owners. Um, but often they're more collectible, so it depends on what, what the variant is. Uh, it's a special M uh, edition, sometimes it's for track purposes, but other vehicles don't get driven as much. They're more like collector's items. I think with the Dark Shadow, it will be a driven edition for sure. Now, uh, this, the, the starting price of this was uh, about $120,000. How much above the regular X7 would that have been if, if you hadn't well, had the Dark Shadow edition? Okay, so the the X7 M50i, which is the V8, the top engine, goes for um, ninety nine eight, the model year um, twenty one. So, so, so it's, it's uh, about yeah. it's about twenty thousand dollars more, and it and, yeah. and it's probably going to hold its value. 
uh, really for well. Sure. Yeah, if you were a purchaser. It's of part of the exclusivity, right? Yeah. We're only 75 in the whole country, so that's pretty special. Are they going to be numbered? They will not be numbered. Um, there is badging in the vehicle. It says Edition um, Dark Shadow on the center console. Uh, but they're not numbered this edition. We've done that in the past, but not with this vehicle. All right. Well, that's something you may be able to uh, find out from the VIN number, what number your one is as well. Uh, yes, people will, and they will. The the, the, the uh, real fans do find out what, what production number they have. So, Kate, thanks so much. If you want to find out more about BMW product, of course, it's uh, BMW uh, Motor Cars. You can go to their website. Uh, Kate is uh, the product manager for the 7 Series. I will tell you that uh, I really want uh, 7, 8, and X7. Uh, I really want to have Kate back on to talk about the Alpina, which I've been to the Alpina factory, by the way, in Germany. Jealous. Uh, 300 kilometers an hour I drove one. That, that, next time we have her back on. Stand Ooh. by. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert radio show. Our Auto Expert is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can send us a message, start a conversation with us, with us ask us a car question, just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Anton Wallman is an independent analyst and investor. He joins us every week to give us a survey of what's happening in electric, autonomous, and the car business in general. So, Anton, let's start off with Polestar 2. It uh, outsold the Tesla Model three in the first in the first uh, countries to report european sales for july that's right nick so uh for those of you who don't know what polestar is it used to be a performance uh, uh brand effectively of volvos and they've essentially turned it into an all-electric brand and uh, the first car of any significance just came out and started delivering cars here in about the middle or, or to late late uh, july in both in Europe and in China. And uh, we have the first results now from the first handful of countries in Europe where deliveries have started. And they basically, for the entire month of July, they uh, outsold the Tesla very handily in Europe. So it's a good start for uh, for Polestar. Is Polestar, the, the Polestar vehicle, is it priced uh, higher than the Model 3 or is it just about the same? It is essentially a head-on direct uh, against the Tesla Model 3, I think uh, the price is at least uh, before any subsidies, and the subsidies may shift in Europe depending on what each automaker has done. But uh, pre-subsidies anyway, uh, these two cars are right on top of each other. I think they're not even a rounding error away from each other pricing-wise. All right, so we're talking about uh, the top end of $60,000 plus, and uh, Tesla seems to be suffering quite a few blows in Europe. It looks like a lot of uh, companies are reporting better sales than them. Well, so Tesla's, of course, just like all the automakers, had about a seven-week uh, shutdown of their production. So a lot of people will say that Tesla sales are down in Europe because they were shut down, but that doesn't really square with the fact that all the other automakers were also down for an equivalent seven weeks of their production, and yet they took an enormous amount of market share here from Tesla in the second quarter and, and also in, in the month of July as we're now starting to get the July numbers. So uh, did these seven weeks only impact Tesla and none of the competitors such as Renault, Skoda, Sia, Polestar, and everybody else? I don't think so. I think... Uh, there's a genuine loss of market share for Tesla in the European theater. 
if you look at specific countries uh, uh, in Norway, for instance, in August, the in Norway, of course, we always like to use Norway and Sweden uh, to predict what's going to happen in the U.S. But Norway is kind of a special case because 55 percent of EV uh, take rate in Norway. Uh, now, the Polestar is doing extremely well against Tesla there. Yeah, so what's happening is that we get daily reports from Norway in terms of how they register new cars there. So that's an enormous inside real time into what's happening in the market. And now here, just uh, about uh, how many days are we into the month here? About uh, eight or so days into the month of August. And um, so far, Polestar is outselling all of Tesla's vehicles by a margin of about two to one. So uh, that's uh, that basically continues the trend that we saw in July and even more, actually. Uh, and it's probably, uh, you know, Polestar has a little bit of an advantage in Europe, especially since they're a branch of Volvo, which technically is you know, headquartered in Sweden, even though they're owned by the Chinese. But at the same time, Volvo are still, are still the parent company. And so they're a home brand, as it were, on their home turf. Yeah, but that really only shows what kind of impact there will be once many of these European home brands really uh, put the wood to the situation here and uh, come out with their new attractive vehicles. Keep in mind that the actual Volvo-branded version of the Polestar 2, which will be a variant of the XC40 compact SUV, also starts production here in the fall and should go on sale in Europe uh, near the end of this year. So there will be a version of the Polestar 2 with essentially the same underpinnings in a slightly more upright square and uh, taller, although just barely shorter, body, which is very attractive for the European audience that will further add to this uh, competitive environment. All right, Cadillac in announcing a brand new SUV this week. It's uh, called the Lyric. It's a battery electric vehicle, uh, SUV. It will be uh, on sale in late 2022 um, or 2122, uh, it looks like it's going to be closer to 22. Uh, this seems to be a long way off for a vehicle that's just been introduced. Yeah, this is almost a bit mystifying. This is a vehicle which will go on sale in late 21 in China and then in late 22 in the United States. And the vehicle that they actually showed here on Thursday evening wasn't even a production ready. Uh, vehicle. It was uh, more of a concept vehicle, even though they said, well, 80 to 85 percent of what we saw is going to make it to production. So this is very unusual and very strange. It really uh, begs the question, who was the audience for this unveil? My theory is that the audience was Wall Street. And with uh, General Motors now thinking out loud about potentially spinning out some form of electric car business to take advantage of the enormous valuations that are ascribed to all of the electric car pure plays that are now going public or have gone public in the recent times. And many of those companies being valued at the close to all of General Motors today, in some case, in some cases, even more. So uh, I think that may have been the true audience of this mysterious un un unveil otherwise, because this is so far ahead of consumer availability that the consumer can't possibly have been the audience for, uh, for this introduction. All right. Ford made a big change at the top of its hierarchy uh, this week. So what happened there? Yeah. So um, a few years ago, um, Ford replaced Mark Fields, who had been the CEO for several years, with Jim Hackett. It was a board member. He uh, was the CEO of a uh, office furniture company. 
and uh, he's been there now for about three years. And uh, frankly, the stock has performed very poorly. And uh, to the extent, and I'm not saying that Ford has done the wrong things necessarily, but I'm saying to the extent that some people would make that argument, one has to really ask the question, was it really the CEO's fault? Or at some point, shouldn't you start looking at the actual chairman of the board of this company, the man who really controls the votes, namely Bill Ford? Isn't he ultimately responsible for steering this ship right and, and doing the right thing? I mean, he had a good run here for a brief moment several years ago with Alan Mulally, a CEO, and the Mark Fields uh, things they didn't turn out quite as well. But I think uh, I think he was sort of fired under... Uh, uh, you know, circumstances that were a little suspect and then replaced by somebody who clearly uh, did not uh, have the ability to communicate a vision for the company with the outer world. And, and who is to blame for this? That's really the question here. But, but in a sense, too, Ford have had some big successes over the last three years. I mean, they introduced the Marquis, they've introduced uh, the Bronco, which, of course, the Bronco, now, if you order one today, you won't get delivery until 2022, sometime in the spring to summer, because uh, they've been more than popular. But also, Hackett had to go through the company and make some uh, some pretty difficult decisions on restructuring and how they were going to do things differently. So somewhat, he was the hatchet man when he came in, to make a lot of changes, um, and hatchet men don't usually last a long last a long time as CEOs because they come in, they do a dirty deed, and then they leave, right? Yeah. So let's, let's, let's ponder some of these new products, right? On the one hand, we got the Mach E, which supposedly goes into production here on October 26th, and we'll see its first U.S. deliveries in December and European deliveries in January. Um, that. The, the engineering behind that really started many, many years ago, and the actual success of that product ultimately, uh, despite the fact that people liked the unveiling of it uh, last November, uh, it's yet to be determined. The Bronco, of course, everybody loves it, but it's uh, you look at the production schedule of that, and I don't think we're going to see many U.S. consumer deliveries until perhaps May of next year, and then barely any at that point. So. And, that, and again, that product, the die was cast in terms of that design, too, many, many years ago. So, you know, some of these things in the automotive world have very long lead times. And uh, the products that are coming out now really were planned about a half a decade ago. So I still think that um, there's a question mark here as to ultimately who has to take responsibility for what some people believe to be uh, an imperfect uh, set of situations in the company. I'm not saying that uh, there are, but I'm saying to the extent that people make that argument, and I think that one clear success that has been ongoing for Ford has been the F-Series pickup trucks, both the F-150 as well as the heavy-duty ones, the 250 and 350 and above. Uh, clearly, they have not missed a beat, but some of these other products are a little bit unknown yet in terms of their ultimate commercial success. All right. In the last minute that we have left, uh, let's talk about this new Lexus UX300, the electric uh, SUV. It starts taking orders in Norway for an October delivery. Is this something we're going to see in the U.S., or is it just going to be uh, Europe only? There is no indication that we will be seeing uh, the first all-electric product from Lexus on these shores here in the United States or in Canada, for that matter. Uh, it does not look like it will make it here. This is a product that was originally meant for China, 
then they said, oh, my God, we can also sell it in Europe. So now they've just started taking orders for Europe. And uh, it could be, I don't, I don't even know how many, what kind of quantities we're looking at in terms of how many will be available for the European theater. So I suspect we're not talking about all that many thousands of units, but we're going to be seeing different Lexus and Toyota products that are all electric further down the road. But uh, unfortunately, as it were, not this one. All right. Anton Woolman is an independent analyst and investor. You can read the majority of his stuff at SeekingAlpha.com or The Street. And he joins us every single week to give his reflection on electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, and the auto market as well. And by the way, uh, when I was in Tokyo last year, I did get a drive of an all-electric vehicle that uh, may have been a Toyota or Lexus. They've asked me not to talk about it, but I'll have to say I was pretty impressed. And I'll have to say also, when it comes to the United States, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Stand by. Perry Stern is next. We're going to talk BMW. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Welcome back to Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert, of course, is your place to get all of your automotive news. Two million Americans get their news daily from Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey Google, hey Alexa, or hey Siri, play Our Auto Expert radio show, and all previous episodes of the show will... Oh, here go the phones again. Every time we say, hey Google, you know, what? uh, uh, anyway all right so uh perry stern is joining us on the phone perry you've actually had the opportunity oh and i'm sure you're not sorry nick's fighting with uh, siri and uh, siri and alexa there they all they all decide to go off at the same time perry stern joins us you can read much of his stuff on our auto expert or msnautos.com uh perry you have been driving the bmw x6m is that correct that is correct. Uh, it is a beast of a car. It's, uh, I can't understand why every car is not this much fun. It's To me, every car should be as much fun as the X6M. Well, then every car would have to have 617 horsepower. Right? All right. I'll work okay. with that. Okay. <laughs> I can live with that. Mm-hmm, me too. Uh, I, I have to say that one of my most exciting things was to stick Jen in this car and floor it and watch her scream. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I mean, have you done that to your wife, by the way, Perry? I'm sorry, say it again? Have you stuck your wife in this car and floored it and watched her squeal as you, as you take off? This is not the kind of car that my wife would enjoy. <laughs> uh, Why For that not? exact reason. That exact reason. <laughs> uh, but it is, it is ridiculously quick. I think 0 to 60 is about 3.7 seconds. Yeah. And, this is, and to keep in mind, this is a 5,300-pound SUV. SUV. I yeah. mean, this is not a light vehicle in any way. Uh, let me um, let me ask you this. Uh, when, you know, when, when does your wife think that you're a bad driver? No, she thinks I'm a good driver, and I always tone it down when she's in the car because I don't want to scare her. That's, that's why she's there's, see, there's, there's, there's nothing to be gained from doing that. <laughs> see, I I have an opposite problem. Uh, my spouse thinks I'm a I'm a terrible driver because I drive everything like it's a racetrack. So it's like, can't, can't you just stay in the lines on the road? I say I drive for the road, not for the lines. If there's no other traffic, you drive for the curves in the road. You drive. You don't drive for the lines. So you get, have to know who your who your who your guest is. Yeah. Uh, there are some people that I'm happy to you know show them what the car can do, and there are others that we just cruise around, like yes. my wife. Yes. <laughs> Five miles an hour in the Costco shopping parking lot, not over the speed bump at 35, which is what I get exactly. in trouble for all the time. Uh, all right, so so this vehicle, but it has quite a price tag with it, doesn't it? It does. I mean, this one, the one I drove as equipped is about $131,000. Yeah. Um, 
And so if you're going to put 600 horsepower in every car, you're going to pay a lot for every car. Um, but it's, it's an interesting vehicle because it's, it's got so much performance. I mean, it is very quick and it'll corner, it'll handle, but it does not feel like a sports car. I mean, a sports car is light and agile and this, is the opposite of those things. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, and we should probably uh, position this uh, fairly well. So the midsize, or I guess it's the uh, uh, the medium SUV from BMW is the X5. Um, and this is sort of the coupe version of that, the X5. And then they add the M, which is their sort of racing division. And then you add the competition, which is just getting silly and adding a lot of things in there that you know you would use on the track so you end up with an suv which is coupe styled which has not only a performance uh, engine but has performance driving dynamics performance shocks and brakes uh, it's the real deal right oh absolutely and you know and with the tires it's got on it it's got these massive sticky tires so you know even though it weighs so much i mean it can go around corners like you wouldn't believe um, but it, it's almost like it's muscling its way through. It's, it's like I said, it's, it's not light on its feet, but it's, uh, you know, it would handle itself on a track just fine. It's got these seats with the big bolsters in them to hold you in place. It's got, like you said, M sport brakes, sport suspension, sport exhaust, and the exhaust sounds absolutely phenomenal. I think the BMW probably got it all right. And one of the things that worries me, and several times I've been to Munich to the BMW headquarters, and every time I'm there, they roll out the latest... Uh, version of what could be their electric car in the future something that's uh you know an electric version and and i will i miss or i i feel like i would miss the sound and the the sort of v8 uh, twin turbo horse or, or bi-turbo horsepower that will come with something like this because they're I mean, next to sort of Dodge in america there is very little that has this sort of massive amount of horsepower isn't there it's true. I mean, if you look at the competitors to this vehicle, I mean, you have, you know, the Mercedes AMGs because Mercedes kind of matches BMW M with their AMG models. Right. Um, there's a Lamborghini Urus, yep. which, you know, is even more expensive than this. You know, Porsche's got their coupe. But the one that's always interesting is you've also got the Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. Right. Which costs about, you know, $50,000 less than this. Yes. And brings about 100 more horsepower. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so it's really hard when you see that. But uh, at the same time, there just isn't a substitute period for horsepower right now. I mean, I know electric vehicles can be faster off the line, but there's something about the vibration and the roar and the sound that really is visceral when you drive this car. Oh, it's the, it's the whole experience. And, that's, and you're right. I mean, electric cars are their own experience. And there is something to be said from, you know, that incredible acceleration with kind of the sound of a turbine jet sound. But there really is no replacement for just a big V8. Um, and BMW's V8s always sound so good. Now, uh, we had someone from BMW on earlier today that told us that their special editions uh, sold out in 18 hours. They just did an X7 special edition, the Dark Shadows edition. Uh, these vehicles, even though they're pricey and expensive, the, the X6M is a vehicle that actually sells. I mean, they're, they're continuing to sell these vehicles. They do. They do. And, you know, it is interesting. You know, you mentioned the X5. And the X5M and the X6M are practically twins it's just that one has a sportier look to it than the other so the x6 has the coupe style as you mentioned um 
personally, I like the X5 better. Uh, I don't like the idea of the SUV coupe. I don't think the style is terribly attractive. And you give up a lot of utility that you get in the squared off shape of an SUV that without any additional performance. I mean, the X6M and X5M are identical when it comes to acceleration, speed, everything else. Yeah. The numbers are the same, but the look is different. Exactly. So I guess something for everybody. Uh, I will tell you, it's a very interesting division. You either love or hate the coupes or the SUV version. I'm a coupe guy, but th- there is nobody that I've ever heard say, oh, I could go either way, coupe or SUV, or, you know, I don't like either of them. You're either strongly in one camp or the other. And that's a very interesting thing with these. You're either a fan of the coupes or you're not, right? Exactly. And I'm not. <laughs> well, there you have it. Uh, However, 600 horsepower can make up for a lot of that. Right. It's it's muscle compensation. I don't know if that's the right terminology, but it certainly sounds good. Uh, Perry, uh, your article on this vehicle, where can we read it? Uh, you can see it up on our Auto Expert. You can see it on msn.com or on autonxt.net. All right. Perry Stern is a contributor to Our Auto Expert. You can read much of his stuff at ourautoexpert.com. He's a fine gentleman and has some great stories up there. We'll be back again next week. Don't forget to go to ourautoexpert.com to read the latest stories, see the videos, and, of course, listen to the radio show and podcast. I'm Nick Miles, and thanks to Jim. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.